And as I say at the beginning of every program, welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host. It's great to have you with us. Us? Who is us? Well, us is me, your cordial host, uh, moderator, etc., etc., uh, servant of the universe, uh, here with a very special guest, Angela Pearson. We're going to be talking uh, about not only a, a very topical, we're going to have a very topical conversation, but we're going to broaden it as well. And we're going to talk about a, a children's book that she has produced, she's created, she's written, and uh, some great illustrations in here as well. Um, I am not contagious. And I have to say that that phrase is probably uh, one that I utter in my head any time I go out these days because I have uh, received the J&J &J vaccination back in June of 2021 and I feel like, hey, I'm, I'm good to go. I, I can do just about anything, go anywhere, you know, and so forth. But there are still folks who are concerned. But we're going to broaden that as well. We want to welcome you to our program, Angela. Thanks for being with us. Thanks, Richard. Thanks so much for having me. I'm just so glad you're there and I'm here because, you know, I, I wouldn't want to catch anything from you. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> now, Every, I think everyone's contagious these days, especially now more than ever. <laughs> in in, in, in uh, one way or the other, to be honest with you, you're right. Mm -hmm. You're absolutely right. In, in one fashion or another, every one of us uh, has a contagion. Now, I would like to think my contagion is uh, logical, thoughtful thinking and being around other people and critical thinking that uses the facts, if you will. Mm -hmm. uh, but also another aspect that normally when I start these programs, I go through a litany of uh, pieces of information and I get down to uh, encouraging people to participate in the decade of perfect vision, the 2020s, where we encourage people to go within, to trust that still small voice, to be in that quiet, peaceful place, to sort of relax, rejuvenate, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And I'd like to think that those are the kinds of things I would like to, I'm going to use the term since we're talking about it in this context, to infect people with, you know, uh, is, is with a, a more conscious and aware, not the kind of aware or awoke that people are talking about that's even getting criticized these days, but more where it's like, wait a minute, we're all human beings. There are all kinds of things going on, going on around the planet. I sometimes wonder if maybe when I was a kid growing up with legal blindness, kids didn't, they, maybe they thought, oh, no, we got to stay away from him. We're going to harass him because he's contagious. We might catch the blindness from him. I know there are some people who think cancer is contagious. You know, um, <laughs> you know they say laughter is contagious. Sometimes there are those, depending upon who you're with, crying is, don't, please, please don't start crying, because then if you start crying, I'll start crying. And, uh, right. You know. <laughs> right. No, you're absolutely right. How did you come up with this concept? And I know this is primarily dealing with, with people who are really concerned about the whole vaccination thing. And we'll, we'll dive into that, too, but I do want to broaden it, because, as you said, we're all contagious um, in one form or another with something, 
Hopefully it's some of the better things in life and humanity. But how did this idea come to you? Um, well, back in 2019, um, I live in New York. So in 2019, Governor Andrew Cuomo removed religious exemption. Now, for those who don't understand what religious exemption is, religious exemption um, was a way that my children were allowed to go to school because philosophical beliefs just was um, non-existent here in New York. And um, New York was the fifth state to remove religious exemption, um, which was a loophole for children who um, do not receive their childhood vaccinations um, to go to school. So um, if it wasn't religious exemption, they would use a medical exemption. Um, my children did not qualify for medical exemption, even though um, my oldest son, um, which his adverse reaction to a vaccine is what led me um, down the journey of my holistic path. And um, he had an adverse reaction, but even though he had an adverse reaction, um, that didn't qualify me, unfortunately, to get a medical exemption for him, my daughter, or my youngest son. So um, the loophole was to use a religious exemption. So once that was removed, um, my son was given 14 days after the first day of school started in 2019 um, to say goodbye to his friends. Um, my daughter, however, was going to college that same year. So the rules and the law did not apply to her because the laws did not apply to colleges. So she was still able to go to college on religious exemption. But anyone who was going to preschool, um, kindergarten, K through 12, um, were no longer allowed to attend school without um, being vaccinated or unless they had a medical um, exemption. So my son had so many questions. Um, and even though he knew that he wasn't going to uh, be allowed to finish the first grade, he's been going to school his entire life. He went to toddler school. He went to preschool. He went to kindergarten. And um, even though he knew he wouldn't be able to complete the first grade, because I did warn him, he still wanted to go to the first grade. So he did. And he was only allowed to go for 14 days. Um, unless he received his um, vaccinations or the start of his vaccinations. Um, but afterwards, you know, he had so many questions. Um, I left my job. I left my career because I felt like my back was up against the wall, didn't have any other alternative. And I wasn't going to go against everything that I believe in. Um, and what I felt is the safety of my children. And as my children's mother, it is my job, it is my duty and my obligation to protect my children at whatever cost that is. And if that means throwing my career away so that I can do what's best for my children, that is, that's exactly what I did. Mm -hmm. And I don't regret it. But he had so many questions. And I was going to get involved in real estate. And I went to a three day boot camp out in Miami. And when I went there, in my head, I'm thinking, okay, I just left my career. Yes, I have a 401k. Yes, I have some savings. I have some money stashed away. But in the back of my mind, I know that you can't live without money. We can't eat without money. Um, I'm fortunate that I, I have my son's father that I can lean on 
um, in that regard, because we're together, we live under the same roof. So I am one of the fortunate um, ones. There was 26,000 families who were affected by this. And unfortunately, there are some single parents out there who didn't have that same support as me. And perhaps they had to leave New York, or maybe they felt like they didn't have any other alternative but to get them um, vaccinated. But for me, I didn't have to do that. And I just knew that I needed another way to make money. So when I went down to Florida um, to this real estate event, on my way home, on the plane ride home, I had like this epiphany and it was just like, something just hit me and it, it was unsettling knowing that I went down there for, I think, for the wrong reason. Um, growing up when I was a child, I was bullied and I felt like I didn't have a voice. And my dad was old fashioned and kids were seen and not heard. So I felt like my voice never mattered. And for me, it was always like, when I became a mother, we take things from our parents and we either do things like them or we're going to do the complete opposite of how they raised us, right? Because mm -hmm. we wanna break that cycle. Mm -hmm. And for me, that was one of the things that I wanted to break. I always promise that when I have children, I'm gonna make sure that they have a voice and that, um, that regardless of how small they are, their voices matter. And I'm always going to validate their feelings. I think validating their feelings is, um, is a very critical component um, to um, how they behave and, 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 and um, from a psychological standpoint, um, it's it's quite beneficial when we validate our children's feelings mm -hmm. um, for their self for a positive self perception. So, on this plane ride home, this epiphany that hit me was just like you're doing this all wrong. Um, this is not what you're supposed to be doing. Your son needs you, and you need to write a book. You need to you need to share his story. Mm. And I know I'm not going to make, you know, tons of money from this. This is not why I'm doing this. I'm doing this because this was, and, 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 and like, here's the thing, you know, I don't put my perspective in this story at all because as adults, we tend to get on a scientific level, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And when we do that, it's okay for adults to do that. But I think that when we do that, we kind of miss the point and we want to step over the other person and we always want to be right. The other person needs to be right. The other person needs to be right. And then there's this whole like combative argument in which we create amongst each other. And there's never going to be any unity because someone always has to be right. Yeah. But with my, with my child, this is from his perspective. He doesn't understand the scientific side of things just yet, but he does understand that he can't go to school with his friends. He does know that he's not sick and he's not going to give you something that he doesn't have. And society come or bullying comes in all forms mm -hmm. and society bullies. The government is bullying. And this is what we call tyranny. Mm -hmm. And this is medical tyranny. And if we're going to stand for the Constitution, 
you can't stand for just part of the constitution and not all of it. It's either all or none. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> what you might think is best for you and your family, I might not think that's what's best for me and my family. And that's the whole beauty about living here in the United States is that we have the right to do what is best for ourselves and our families. Mm-hmm. And this is why I believe in informed consent. You know, and yeah. I think that informed consent, um, and I would I would encourage parents um, to read the ingredients and evaluate their medical history before performing any type of medical procedure. And I think that's what a lot of people don't understand is that when you vaccinate, it is a medical procedure. And my oldest son had an adverse reaction, which caused him to be in the hospital for three days. That is scary for a mother. He was severely dehydrated because he had diarrhea, he was vomiting, and he had a fever. And you're, I mean, as a mother, I was scared to even give him any any more vaccinations. I just felt like if this was going to put him in the hospital for three days, and if I continued his... um, his vaccine schedule provided by the CDC. What's going to happen to him later on? Like, is is he going to survive his next routines? Mm, um, yeah. Um, vaccinations, and then I think about my other children. You know, it's, if I put them through this, what's going to happen to them? Mm-hmm. So I think um, the story. I don't like I said, and that's why it's important because I don't get into this in the children's book. Right, um, right. This is from the perspective of an innocent six-year-old little boy who just doesn't understand why he can't go to school and be with his friends. Yeah. And through the book, he gives like these little life lessons um, on how and why it's important that we basically flip on the light, right, inside mm-hmm. of our heads so that we can put ourselves in each other's shoes um, and try to have compassion for one another, um, especially on issues that aren't fully understood, or perhaps um, there's the the narrative that's being spent um, that's being spent on the mainstream media. Mm-hmm. They're not being fair right. to the public by only um, putting one side of science out there when I think all science needs to be put on the table. We're talking with Angela Pearson. She has a book out, a children's book called I Am Not Contagious. We're going to continue this conversation here on Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World, giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. And uh, we are uh, talking with her about this uh, very important issue because uh, we, we, we're living in a country now, specifically this country and right now, where we have some real interesting, uh, I'm going to say diametrically opposed views uh, on many, many subjects. This is just one of them. And uh, we want to continue talking with her about that here on Tell Me Your Story. We are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. And we hope that you uh, will stay with us throughout this very special edition of Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. We are here Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m. And, of course, the 9 a.m. Wednesday special edition of Tell Me Your Story. We're here with Angela Pearson uh, with the book I Am Not Contagious. I want to I address um, one area that I've kind of brought up 
And I'm not necessarily taking sides here. Bear, bear in mind, I'm not, that's not my intent here. But I wanted to put this uh, out there. And again, I, 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 I want to show as much uh, respect for you and your philosophy, your decisions, your family's uh, health and welfare. But I want to put this question to you. You talk about the Constitution. It's all of it or none of it. Um, there is uh, in the preamble... Uh, that says, we the people, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and to our posterity. And I've asked this question of many people. How do you balance that, so to speak, against the very staunch positions of individual i have the first i have the first amendment constitutional right to do whatever i want wherever i want whenever i want however i want um you know damn the torpedoes and to heck with civilization because my rights are more important now you aren't saying that. Don't get me wrong. I'm not hearing that from you. You are talking about your little community, i.e. your family, promoting the general welfare and securing the blessings for your posterity, your children. Uh, can you talk a little bit about uh, what I perceive and I, when I put the question out as a dichotomy, as almost mutually exclusive concepts, uh, because it's like it's either individual rights or community uh, the, promoting the general welfare so i think there's like a misconception um i think that when people read into the constitution there's going to be a small group of people who misconstrued what freedom is understand uh -huh. interesting okay? mm -hmm. so i think that you know and then within when you have a certain another group of people who think that those who don't vaccinate um who call a selfish Right. Mm -hmm. So um, someone who is pro vaccine and all about vaccination and especially c considering what's happening um, with the world and in regards to COVID. Um, I've heard a lot of people come out and say that everyone needs to um, be forced to be vaccinated against um, the, the, the COVID virus. I think that um, and then we're, we're labeled selfish if we don't. So again, you have, you're going to have the extremist on both sides mm -hmm. where they, they misconstrued what freedom actually means. Okay. It doesn't mean you get to go and just basically just do what you want and burn things and, and, and create riots and, and do whatever else. And I'm free and look at me. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, the, the king of the jungle, <laughs> if you will. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And uh, uh, another misconception is where you have people who think that if we don't vaccinate, we're selfish and that we owe it to the community to sacrifice ourselves and sacrifice our children for the greater good to save humanity. Mm -hmm. Okay. This becomes an issue for me because as a mother, I was given children from God. I was blessed with three children and it is my obligation and my duty to protect my children. Now, that doesn't mean I'm going to purposefully infect them with something and then send them out into the public for them to infect someone else. But I think that a lot of people are 
not being educated on even when children are being vaccinated with a live virus, such as the MMR vaccine or the DTaP vaccine or even the flu vaccine. This is a virus that was weakened with formaldehyde and then it's being injected into our children or injected into the population and then they're being sent to school and then they're the ones who are infecting other children, okay, mm-hmm. because of shedding. Because so of what? No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Because of what? Shedding. Oh, okay. Okay. Or viral shedding. Okay. And if you've ever been to a hospital in the ICU, and if you've ever been um, at an elderly home or um, on the cancer floor at the hospital, they're going to, there's a little sign there that tells you that if, you know, it kind of flags you and stops you and it says, hey, by the way, if you have been inoculated with a live virus, such as the MMR vaccine, DTaP or flu vaccine, you cannot enter. You cannot enter. You cannot see anyone. You cannot visit anyone in the ICU. You cannot visit anyone on the cancer floor and you can't visit anyone that is in a senior home because their immune systems are so weakened. Okay. They're they're compromised because either they're, they're elderly or because they are taking chemo treatments or for whatever the reason is. So if they're acknowledging that much, why are they sending these kids to a public school when they have this information, when they know that viral shedding can occur. Mm-hmm. And then you look at the school in Texas back in 2019, I believe. Um, there was a school in Houston, Texas. The children were 100% vaccinated. There were no children that went to that school that were not vaccinated. Mm-hmm. And there was a pertussis outbreak. They had to shut down the school. You can't blame that on the unvaccinated community. This occurred amongst those who were fully vaccinated because of viral shedding. So when they look at children who are not vaccinated and they point fingers and they say, you're contagious, you're contagious. When in reality, children who are being vaccinated with the live virus, they're the ones who are are contagious. So I I think that if, if parents are going to, you know, take the route and vaccinate their children because I'm about informed consent. I'm mm-hmm. not going to condemn you if you feel that is what's best for you and your family. But I do think that you need to be informed. And there's a difference in being informed and then having the doctor tell you that they're safe and effective. Having a doctor tell you that they're safe and effective, I'm sorry to tell you, but that's not being informed. Mm-hmm. Okay, being informed is really understanding what the ingredients are. And if you don't know what something is like MRC-5 right. or WI-38, mm-hmm. if you don't know what those are, I mean, you can certainly look them up. Yeah. You can the, Google them. Yeah. And, you, um, and yeah. Let you, and, yeah. yeah. And you mentioned uh, formaldehyde. And what's interesting is uh, that, and most people do not know this, and I did uh, uh, several interviews back in 1983. I've been doing this for over 40 years, interviewing people. And I was interviewing uh, supposedly a nutritional expert on the pros and cons of what was then called equal, the sweetener. that's it's known um, chemically as aspartame. And most people do not know this, and I did some checking into this, as well as talking with uh, a mortician, a funeral home director. And uh, I asked him, I said, so what's changed in the last five, 10 years in your industry? He says, well, 
You know, the biggest change is that we're using less formaldehyde than we've ever used before, which uh, which is very, very strange. Well, then I did some uh, further checking and talking with people in uh, the health uh, health industry, the scientific community. Turns out aspartame, i.e. equal, turns into formaldehyde in the human body. So people who drink diet sodas with aspartame are basically embalming themselves as they live. Uh, and uh, I found that rather interesting. We're going to continue this conversation. I've, there's so much more to talk about, certainly, uh, and uh, we're just trying to put the information out there. I'm a firm believer, um, Angela, in what was once called the Fairness Doctrine. It was abolished in 1981 uh, by the president at that time, which uh, said it is important. Uh, it, you need to uh, cover all sides of a particular issue in a conversation. When that was abolished, I believe that's when the echo chamber began to spring up and I find those appalling. I do not want to be an echo chamber. Do I always agree with my guests? No, not always. I don't always disagree with them either. The whole point is to, just like what you were talking about, have some inf information. That's what we talk about here on the program, Angela. Choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. And if you don't know what choices you have, then you need to get educated. And we're mm -hmm. hopefully doing that here with your book and the conversation we're having. Angela Pearson is my guest. AngelaPearson.com is a website. We will be linked to her website as well. And you are listening to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. We have podcasts on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, Spotify, Player FM, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and many other locations. Too numerous to mention. So we hope that you will check those out. We're also on YouTube where you can watch these videos and you can find out more. And as I said before, we will be linked to Angela's website, AngelaPearson.com, as we continue here on Tell Me Your Story. And we are talking with Angela Pearson and we are talking about a very serious... Um, I'm going to say, Angela, that it's, it's not so much a serious topic as far as exclusively this issue of vaccinations and I'm not and I don't say that to minimize it but it raises a bigger issue that we have in this country in particular the dilemma of who and or what to believe there's a there's a wonderful joke that uh, I I love telling it's a very brief one uh, about the internet and uh, it basically goes like this, Angela. Uh, just remember what Abraham Lincoln said. Don't trust anything you read on the Internet. Mm -hmm. Now, there are some people who actually believe that that's a real quote. Uh, there was no Internet <laughs> in Lincoln's day. Mm -hmm. But our problem right now is who do we believe what do we believe where are we getting our information and the only thing i can think of to describe the real accuracy of information is what they refer to as primary source information but again how do you know it's primary source so here's here's that issue you talk about having informed consent but how can you be sure be, you know, you talk about, we'll say, two sides of science. Mm -hmm. But where are people getting their information from? Because we've heard in the last five or six years all kinds of unbelievable statements and comments 
about what to do about this virus or what to do about this issue, that issue, this problem, that problem from all kinds of quarters that we used to be able to trust. I mean, we just sort of, I guess, implicitly did. I was born in 1960. I've had those, uh, the, the, I think, the uh, chickenpox and, and measles vaccines and several of the others. And I don't know how different they were then from what they are today. Apparently, they, they must be different because technology uh, continues to, to carry on. But how, how, do you, how do you address the issue of the accuracy, the, the validity of the information that you're getting to make what you refer to as an informed decision? I think that's an extremely important issue that we need to talk about. I think that I would um, advise everyone, the first place that they can look is they can go to um, the CDC website and look at the vaccine ingredients. They can also go to their pediatrician and request um, for a vaccine insert. The vaccine insert will then have all the vaccine ingredients. It will also have all the, um, they call them side effects. Mm -hmm. We call them direct effects because they're direct effects that are being caused by um, certain ingredients mm -hmm. that are being put into these vaccines. Um, I would start there um, because they, they have to tell you what's in them. Mm -hmm. But my other advice is, is when you get to um, certain um, things like MR-C5 or WI-38, when, when we get to those things that we don't quite understand, like, okay, well, those are just numbers and, and letters. I don't know what that represents. So then we skim over it and then we just keep going. Or they get to a word that they can't really pronounce and then they're like, oh, they just skip over it. You know, I think as a society, we've come accustomed and it's, it's partly, um, it's how we're, we're brought up today, right? With TV, mm -hmm. um, with the internet, like you said, um, with the mainstream media, this is all put in front of us to distract us. Um, also, I think by having Google, it's making a lot of us lazy where we don't really want to put in the work to actually do the research. Mm -hmm. Or we go to YouTube and we try to find someone who's giving out this information, but they're not backing their information up with proof. Mm -hmm. So then we just kind of say, oh, this must be true because this person is saying it. We have to stop relying on that type of information and those sources, and we have to go straight to the source. But, and but, but you, thing, you have to acknowledge, too, that there are those who don't trust any government organization agency like the CDC or who, you know, the, the World Health Organization, et cetera, et cetera, uh, that they're, 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 there's... A myriad of conspiracy theories out there. You, I'm sure you're familiar with many of them, including those who will accuse uh, people such as yourself. And I'm not going to use the term that they like to use because you have made a decision to uh, do your utmost as mother to keep your cubs, if you will, stay away from mama bear if the cubs are around, uh, to keep your cubs healthy and well because you've done this research. But there are people who say, I don't trust the CDC. I don't trust the government. I don't trust this because there's a, there's a conspiracy to do this, that, and the other thing. And it's like, again, now we're back to that same old position of where are you getting your information? But if they're if they're so concerned, if they're making those types of comments, then why are they just trusting their doctor and and getting inoculated? You know, you have to like I said, if if you don't want to go online, if you don't mm -hmm. want to go to the CDC website, 
go get a vaccine insert. Mm -hmm. Start there. Yeah. Get a vaccine insert because by law, legally, they have to um, put um, the ingredients in there mm -hmm. because they have to inform you. Yeah, and also um, get a microscope too because they usually it's very printed in very tiny, very, very tiny, absolutely, <laughs> it's very but, tiny. Yeah. By the way, I, I was yes, exactly. And it's a long thing. It's 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 worse than a CVS uh, receipt. Let me tell you. You know how long yeah. those can get. Uh, we're talking with Angela, uh, Angela Pearson, and we're talking about her book and the work that she's doing through the book, I Am Not Contagious. She, uh, by the way, uh, who did the illustrations in the book? I, I really like them. Yeah, thank you. Um, I actually um, made like this descriptive um, for description for each page that I wanted. It was very important for me, but I actually hired someone out of India um, who really helped me bring my vision to life. Um, which I actually wrote this book pre-COVID, mm -hmm. okay? Yeah, I kind of thought so. COVID hit, and then India was one of the countries that got hit really hard, and everything was shut down, so we lost contact with him for, for a little bit. Um, and we actually had to um, finish the illustrations a little bit um, without him because we, we just kind of um, lost contact with him. Um, but he's okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he's okay. That's good. That's good. Um, yeah, I, I hired someone out of India. He brought my my visions to life, and I couldn't be um, happier. We're talking with Angela Pearson. This is Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and I thank you for staying with us. And uh, just a reminder that uh, uh, if you'd like to support the work that we are doing here on Tell Me Your Story, if what we're talking about and the subjects on all of the programs, whether you're listening to the broadcast or the podcast or the video cast, uh, resonate with you, uh, we would love to have your support financially. That's why we have a PayPal and Patreon account. It's for your security as well as ours. And then, of course, as we also like to tell you, please spend time uh, spending time during this decade of perfect vision uh, going within and listening to that still small voice. It sounds an awful lot like Angela's done that. And we're going to continue to talk with Angela and listen to her voice as we continue this conversation about I am not contagious here on Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and we are talking about uh, new ways of living, looking for those new ways of living. The old ways obviously don't work. All you have to do is look around you. Uh, there's a lot of uh, chaos, Angela, that seems to be going on, not just in this country, but even around the world. Some people are actually saying that's a good thing because that's going to bring about the kinds of changes that we really need. There was a, a woman that I had on my program several times. She was a visionary, futurist, even a vice presidential candidate back in, I think it was the 60s, early 70s, uh, Barbara Marks Hubbard, who talked about the process that we are going through, and this was back in 2007 when she said this to me, the process that we are going through even today in 2021 is kind of like the birth pangs. Now, you as a mother know what those are like, all right? And if you didn't have to go through those, boy, wouldn't that be nice? But how, but that's not the way it's done, unfortunately, unless, of course, you, I guess, what is it, an epidural? Give me the drugs, give me the drugs, you know. But when it's all said and done, then you're holding this incredible, wonderful, new being that, that you get to help. You bring, you've brought it into this world, and now you get to watch it grow, and you get to help it to develop and, and mature and, and all of those things. I hate to use this word, but it's kind of appropriate. You help it to evolve into someone that will... Um, be someone who will make a difference in this world for the better mm -hmm. for everyone. Um, and that's kind of the way she put it. And so 
there were people who were moaning and groaning and complaining all through 2020 because of the pandemic, because of the shutdown and this and that and the other. And then the vaccines came available and the list of complaints went on and on and on. And I have to tell you, Angela, when when the country was shut down, I was thrilled. Not because, oh, great, you know, because then we'll 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 put this get get rid of this thing. Yeah, I kind of hoped that if we had done what we were asked to do in the first place, we might have been through this in July of 2020. It would have been over. We would have shut down. But and I'm not saying that that would have happened. I'm just speculating. But what I saw were incredible opportunities we didn't even know existed that were going to be created because of this new way of living for hopefully a short period of time. And, yeah, it went on for 16, 17, maybe 18 months. Um, But there are a lot of people who flourished. I know there were a lot of people who were hurt by it. Over 600,000 people died. Uh, um, we won't even we won't even get into the numbers and comparisons and so forth. All I all I'm saying is that there are so many different perspectives to what went on over the last uh, year and a half. And well, go ahead. Go ahead. I'll let you. Sorry. Um, you know, I just I just want to, you know, first, I want to say, you know, anyone who lost their life to um, COVID, you know, have my deepest you know, condolences and, and, and everything else. I think that, um, first and foremost, I just want to put that out there, um, okay. because I think one is one too many lives lost. Yes. I uh, share that with you. The situation, mm-hmm. uh, with COVID cancer, the flu, anything, yeah. you know, and, and not to compare and take away from, from anyone because a life is a life. And I believe that mm-hmm. I am pro-life mm-hmm. and uh, that's another reason why I don't vaccinate. Um, so, I mean, my 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 sympathy my my condolences to to any families or you know to anyone who lost someone to covid i just want to dive in just a little bit sure um you know when we look at the death rate in 2018 for the us the death rate was 2,839,205 then we go to 2019 the death rate was 2,854,838 Okay, so our, our population rate went up, um, but um, uh, the death rate was was higher. Um, then we go to 2020, okay, and this is when the death rate went up higher. Um, we lost 3,358,814 people here mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. just America, okay? So when we take that number, um, we lost 503,976,000 people in 2020. Now, I think what there's this, again, this misconception that we're taking this 503,976,000 people, or excuse me, 503,976 people, mm-hmm. we're taking that number and we're connecting that with COVID. We did not lose 503,976 people to COVID. We actually lost 375,000 people to COVID. Now, when you say that, when you say that, you are saying specifically that it was the virus and not underlying conditions that were exacerbated by the virus that caused these people's perish perishing. That's a good question. So out of those 375,000 people that we lost to COVID, um, there are um, some that had underlying conditions. Now, One of the things that, uh, and you're still with me here, one of the things that I find interesting, excuse me, about that 
is, <clears throat> number one, and, and you said it so well just a few moments ago, that these were human beings. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a fan of statistics because it's, it dehumanizes these people. Right. It just And it's just awful um, that, that, that that happens. Um, you know, they say, well, you know, we, we've lost fewer people, you know, more people to the flu than we did exactly. to COVID and on and on and on. And it's like, and I know and I hate those uh, comparisons yeah. because I don't I don't like that either. I yeah. mean, because it, it does. I feel like we're dehumanizing the people that lost their lives yeah. um, regardless of the situation. And that's why I needed to put that out there. Because and I'm glad I'm glad you my did. Heart is, my heart is in the right place. Yes. And this is my point is that when we talk about science and we talk about things that are happening, all the science is not being presented properly. Um, and this is when misinformation starts to happen because we think that maybe we lost 500,000 people or 600,000 people. And we might state that, but then we have to dive into the numbers a little bit. Yes, we did lose 503,000, almost 504,000 people. Mm-hmm. But out of those, we lost 375 to COVID who, who had some underlying issues as well. And I have the, the numbers. I just printed them off and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, to, I can dive into the to the, the ages and the, the sexes and, and the, sure. the, the nationalities and everything, if you want me to. No, that's um, okay. I was just going to say, uh, there was a study that was done back in, I think it was July, it was maybe August of 2020, in New York City specifically. Uh, and they, they did a, a, a real quick uh, a study of the percentage of those people, similar to what you just shared with us, instead of the 600,000 that they've been telling us to the 300,000 that you say uh, probably died primarily from the virus itself, uh, they did a, a quick study of how many of the people who died died from the virus versus died from those underlying conditions that the virus took advantage of. It turns out that that study showed 99% died from underlying conditions. Now, here's an interesting perspective that, um, that uh, um, I, I want to put out to you. The studies that we have been hearing about the health of our nation, of its people, um, the level of obesity amongst the population is so high that if people had been taking care of themselves in such a way as not to have those underlying conditions, they might actually have survived. No guarantees. I'm just saying that the, the possibilities are that if their immune systems were strong. Now, by the way, you talked about the flu, in, uh, the, 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 the flu vaccine. I have not had the flu vaccine in probably 40 years. Mm-hmm. Have I gotten sick? I can't remember the last time I had the flu. I tell the story of when I was sick in bed at home with my family. When I was a kid, I was laying there moaning and groaning. And and my mother and sister came in and my sister says, would you please make him stop moaning? He sounds terrible. She says, no, that's how he heals himself. A little more Mm -hmm. alternative medicine, if you will. But that's kind of my perspective. And I'll share one final thing with you, and I love your, your input. July 23rd, 2020, uh, that evening, I drank two bottles of what we refer here in uh, California as Mexican Coke, Coca-Cola, which has sugar, not uh, glucose or uh, not glucose. Um, anyway, a substitute for cane sugar. 
Didn't, you know, no big deal. And sodas have been my Achilles heel. I was going to say, I don't know if it's Achilles heel or Achilles tendon. Anyway, um, <laughs> I, hey, look, I didn't go to medical school, so I don't. <laughs> but I went into the doctor on the 24th of July having these symptoms, drinking lots of water and peeing a lot. My wife, of course, knew exactly what that was. I was diagnosed on the 24th of July with type 2 diabetes. Mm-hmm. My blood sugar that day, 544. A1C, 11.2. I was in shock for maybe 30 minutes. Then the doc is telling me, you know, Richard, this is going to be a long journey. I said, no, it's not. He says, I know how I got here. Because my blood sugar before then, before that exam, was normal in the hundreds, low, low hundreds. A1C, 5.7. So I said, no, it's not. I know how I got here. And it was the pandemic. Because what did most people go to during the pandemic as far as foods? Comfort foods, sugars, carbs, and not exercising much. Uh, By the middle of September, I had my blood sugar down in the low hundreds. I have not had a soda in over a year. I've substituted it with the flavored sparkling waters there's one called uh, cascade ice is one of them zero calories zero sugar zero carbs and my doctor says and these are his words not mine and you don't hear this from the medical community uh, angela that's miraculous and um i'm not taking the meds anymore matter of fact when he told me to take two of the metformin for about a month, I took two. Then I dropped down to one to see what would happen, and my blood sugar still kept going down. Then mm-hmm. when he told me I could take zero, uh, then when he told me I could take just one, I stopped taking them all together. I never told him that. And he is just amazed. He is stunned. He is astounded that my health is what it is. From your perspective as a mom, not just for your children, but for yourself and your health, uh, How much of what you do is informed versus, maybe not versus, but intuitive? There's the mother's intuition, I guess you call it, right? The the, the instinct that you have as a mom to know what is best for your children. Uh, Setting aside all of that information that you you gather, whether it's from the CDC or wherever, wherever else. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Sure. So I grew up poor and um, my father was legally blind as well. And, um, you know, he collected a disability check, but he also worked and he would walk 10 miles to work, 10 miles home every single day. And he would walk to the grocery store and get what he could to provide for us what he could afford. Mm -hmm. And um, there were times where we heated our house with the kerosene heater and we had to um, heat our bath water with a kerosene heater. We'd put the pots uh, of water on a kerosene heater. And there was five of us. I had two older sisters and two younger brothers, and none of us wanted to be the last one in the bathtub. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But, you know, we grew up with um, canned on canned foods, you know, you know, those perishable items. And uh, we ate boxed mashed potatoes. We didn't eat anything real. And I think with that, I mean, you have like all the sodium, uh, you can't, there's no nutritional values in, in canned foods and boxed foods and things like that, right? 
Mm-hmm. Right. So with that and the, and the fact that my, my, my oldest son had a vaccine adverse reaction, um, you know, it really like I went science geek on everything and I research ingredients and in foods. I, I researched them, you know, in vaccines as well. Um, was fascinating to me that that the way they're trying to entice people to get this injection mm-hmm. and to be a part of this experiment because it's still an experimental injection, um, you know, even though it's not been approved by the FDA and I don't trust the FDA as far as you can throw them. Um, but they're enticing people and young people to um, to get this and they're going to give them a donut, you know, or they're going to give them something else. And, mm-hmm. and like you mentioned, um, a, a lot of what's happening with our health and well-being, it's it's coming from the food that we put into our body. But it's not just the food that we're putting into our body, it's the ingredients. So we have to listen. We, we have to learn how to take charge mm-hmm. for ourselves and for our families and start researching the chemicals into foods, too. And the thing is, like, food is expensive, right? The good food is expensive. Oh, yeah. Healthy food is expensive. If you're going to get organic produce versus produce that's not been sprayed with pesticides and herbicides, there's going to be a significant in the prices, um, and you're going to see that. Um, what, What I do for me and my family, every food that I purchase, I look at it as a health investment. I'm investing in my health. I am investing in my children's health because I want to create longevity. Now, systemic lupus runs in my family. My father passed away in 2008 with systemic lupus. And um, my older son also has systemic lupus. I know that it runs in my family. I, I see it, my sister has it as well. That's an indication that I need to take better care of myself. I need to take better care of my family. And, and, I, and, and what foods do I need to avoid? So I avoid red meat, I avoid pork. I avoid um, the, the white poisons, and the white poisons are your white sugars, your white flowers, right? Anything bleach, stay mm-hmm. away from it. Stay away from artificial sweeteners. Um, like you spoke about aspartame earlier. Um, they did a, a, a study in lab rats, and lab rats um, got cancer from aspartame. And But we're giving these to obese individuals and we're telling them that diet soda is okay for you because it has zero sugar. So be leery of anything that says zero sugars. Um, usually it has some sort of artificial sweetener in it. High fructose corn syrup, stay away from high fructose corn syrup. Um, so artificial sweeteners, artificial flavors and colors, dyes, right? Dyes are not bad, but once you intake them, ingest them, and it goes into the liver, the 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 way that it, it, it changes, right? Mm-hmm. The the um the the molecules, everything about it is is just bad. So, what I do is I look at things, stay away from dyes, artificial sweeteners, artificial flavors, high fructose corn syrup, white bleach, um, anything that's been bleached, um, and I try to get, uh, or I don't try to get. I mean, I I get organic produce. Um, there's definitely something that I think people, if they can't, if they say that they can't afford, um, organic foods, I'm sure that they're doing something that -hmm. they could give up, whether that be smoking. Okay. Mm. I see a lot of people who are smoking cigarettes and then they tell me that they can't afford this or they can't afford that. Well, you have developed, um, an extremely, um, nasty addiction. And you have to try to 
you know, stop it. You know, I used to smoke cigarettes and I think I'm most passionate about the things that I've gone through in life where I used to smoke cigarettes from, I was 13 to 21, I was smoking cigarettes. And I gave that ha bad habit up many, many years ago because I'm now in my 40s. And I vaccinated, my son had an adverse reaction. So we went through something like that. So I'm extremely passionate about that. And then the food situation. So I'm extremely passionate about that. So um, I think just like with vaccines, Mm -hmm. We have to inform ourselves about what's in our food. And this is all about the money. You know, this is this is not about our health. If yeah. the government and pharmaceutical companies cared about our health, they would try to do everything that they can to make us healthy. Yeah. But doctors don't get paid unless they keep their unless their patients are sick. Pharmaceutical mm -hmm. companies mm -hmm. will not will most certainly go broke if they're not dishing out these pharmaceutical drugs um, and trying to entice people like this is what you need, but then it creates this side effect. But then you got to take this for that side effect. And then you got to take this other prescription mm -hmm. drug for that. So taking a probiotic daily is extremely important. Yeah. So well, I would. Yeah. And I, I will tell you, I had a, a good friend back in Phoenix when I was working there in 95. Uh, she was uh, probably in her 60s and she was taking nine different medications. And it was the cycle that you just described. I says, you need to go to your physician and you need to talk to your physician about these nine medications and find out uh, uh, if, if you really need any of them or which ones you really need. And she did that. And she actually came off of, I think, five or six or seven of them. Mm -hmm. um, the, the other aspect, too, is I find this uh, very fascinating. I've talked with uh, uh, many people in regards to health and wellness on this program. Uh, I said, look, okay, if I cut my, my hand, all right, within a few weeks, that's going to heal up and it will look as if nothing ever happened. All right. Cell regeneration, if you will. Mm -hmm. I have glaucoma in my left eye. I have no vision in my left eye. My left eye looks different than my right eye. Okay. Why is my eye not regenerating healthy cells, you know, and maybe getting that vision back that I had, which was only 2,400? Uh, you know, I, I, I just, I'm not clear on that. And then I remember hearing, I'm sure you heard this too, that, you know, uh, uh, drinking alcohol kills brain cells, you know, and you're reducing the size of your brain, you know, and that kind of thing. And then I find out not long ago, that is not true. That does not mean you can go out and just imbibe like crazy. But the reality is that our bodies are regenerated every seven years. You are not the person that you were seven years ago, nor am I. Uh, and we, we gener re regenerate the trillions of cells every seven years. And, of course, the kicker is what you just talked about. What are we putting in our bodies during that seven-year period that uh, is going to make us healthier I mean, I, I did this in less than a month and a half of getting rid of type 2 diabetes, primarily because I knew how I had gotten there. I, I have high blood pressure. My mother, you talked about systemic lupus in your family. My mother told me, oh, yeah, high blood pressure. It runs in the family. And mm -hmm. I'm sitting here going, well, it may run in the family, but why does it have to stay? 
You right, know? exactly. You don't have to be okay with it. And that's why we take measures. Yeah. It. So a lot of times people just think that like cancer runs in my family, right? So that's why I was like, wait, if cancer runs in my family, lung cancer, stomach cancer, pancreatic cancer, if that all runs in my family, but everybody in my family smokes cigarettes, then I need to stop smoking cigarettes. So it's about stopping whatever it is that everybody else is doing in your family so that you break those cycles. And when we look at autoimmune diseases, we have about 330 million people in the United States of America. Okay. That is the, the population today. We have, there's 50 million people who are suffering from autoimmune diseases. Okay. And we already know that heart disease is the number one killer and then we cancer is number two and this um, this past year covid was number was ranked number three so when we when we look at all of this why is cancer on the rise why is it attacking our ch our young children who haven't even been here for five years yet mm, mm -hmm. now we're seeing children who are five six years old my sister had cancer she got it when she was six years my stepsister had it when she was six and she passed away at 11. So you, you talk about, you know, these situations, why is this happening? What needs to happen is out of all of those people who have autoimmune diseases, out of those children who are suffering with cancer today, why aren't we doing studies on how many of them have been um, inoculated with childhood vaccines? Okay, because I think that the combination between childhood vaccinations, the ingredients that they're putting into that, uh, these vaccines and the ingredients that they're putting in, into our foods are the two sources that is causing us to be infected with cancers and autoimmune diseases. And it's what's killing us today. And we need to stand up and we need to say enough is enough. And we need to start growing our own food because, you know, you have a lot of people, a lot of uh, multi like billionaires who are starting to step in and they're going to take over the food source. They're already in, uh, spraying everything with, with pesticides and they're putting all of the, and I guarantee you, I guarantee you that these people, you're, you're, you're the richest people in the world. I promise you, they're not eating these same foods. I promise you. Yeah, they know and, because they know. Mm-hmm. And that's the one interesting thing that uh, is is really, again, this kind of goes back to what we talked about earlier in terms of, of uh, information, in terms of the sources of where we, we go. Uh, you know, you talk about the Internet. And I'm thinking, when was the last time you were actually physically and setting aside the, the whole pandemic and being locked down physically in a library? Does anybody know what a library is? <laughs> um, you know, I love the smell of a library. I mean, I, I remember going to the library in high school, which, by the way, I, I actually got thrown out of. I've only been thrown out of one. That was the one. Were you too loud? Yeah, you know, a little bit. Can you understand why? You, I'm sure you can understand that I was a little loud. But I love, uh, I love going through certain books, the bookstores. And, and uh, self-help is always a big deal. Spiritual, uh, the section of, on spirituality and, and, uh, and that kind of thing. Metaphysics uh, are, are a couple of my favorite, favorite subjects dealing with this kind of thing. I want to ask you in that regard, how has this, and you talked about your, 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 your upbringing especially, um, but in terms of the philosophy that you were raised with and that which you live by today, and you can use replace the word with religion if you'd like. 
Um, how has that changed for you from then to now? How have you, again, sorry for using this word, how have you evolved spiritually uh, in, in your walk and your life, especially uh, now that you're a mother, you know, and you're, you're concerned about this stuff uh, on the material level in this real material world? Yeah, I think, um, you know, like I said, growing up poor and growing up on the types of foods that we had. Um, and and now um, teaching, I mean, so let, let's just start with faith, okay? So I grew up in a church and I grew up in a Pentecostal church. And, you know, when we moved to North Carolina, things just kind of changed. So I have been inconsistent with my faith. But as I got older, I knew that there were some things that I wanted to take away that I learned from my parents. And there were obviously, obviously a lot of things that I didn't want to bring over into the way I parented my children. And, and health was um, a really, really big part of that, okay? Love and affection and food and, and just being healthy. And I think, I used to think that, you know, food and, and the health and, and whatever was the most important thing until just a few months ago, because of my inconsistency with my faith, I, my relationship with God has just kind of been up and down. And I've now I've developed a new found relationship with God. And I know now that had I been consistent with my faith first, that everything else is going to fall into place just as it should. And so that is number one. That is the most important thing for me now moving forward as a mother and even teaching my children that too. And, and I've even apologized to my oldest son because I was inconsistent with my faith. And we, we get this question a lot, like, what is your biggest regret? Oh, you know, whatever, whatever. And, you know, before it'd be like, oh, I, I should have done this. Maybe it had something to do with finances or whatever. But it all goes back to my inconsistency with my faith. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Had I been consistent with my faith, um, everything would have fallen into place just as it should. So I explained that to my oldest son and, in hopes that um, he will catch on. Um, and then learning about food because he has a system. He has systemic lupus. He's very healthy. He's got, he's got a degree in kinesiology. Um, so oh, he's wonderful. really big onto health. Yeah, mm -hmm. he's really big into health. Um, my daughter, the same thing. She's never been vaccinated and she'll be 20 years old this year. And um, she too, she, you know, finding credible resources, um, being a critical thinker and researching um, ingredients and foods and, and vaccines. She just had a baby herself and um, she did not vaccinate um, my granddaughter. So this is our second generation of, of, of not being vaccinated. So we're super happy about that. Mm -hmm. And then with my youngest son, it's the same thing. I'm teaching him to be a critical thinker. And it's important that I don't indoctrinate my children and the media doesn't indoctrinate your children. Indoctrination is indoctrination. 
So I want my children to be critical thinkers. And when I tell them something, I want them to check my answer. Mm -hmm. Now, yes, I, I want them to know that they can trust what I'm saying, that I'm their mom and they can always believe whatever it is that I'm saying because I would never lie to my children and they know that. Mm -hmm. But it's a learning curve. I still want them to research what I tell them because that's super important. Right. Um, to, to growing up into in, into when they become their own parents um, so that they can teach their children that as well. Yeah. Let me ask you, uh, you talk about critical thinking. And, and one of the things that comes to mind is the difference between a critical thinker and a cynic. And we've got millions of cynics out there on both sides, if you will, of the aisle or from all different quarters of our population. Uh, how do you uh, how do you do that? Because I, I don't hear you being necessarily you're critical, but you're not cynical about uh, the CDC or the FDA. Now, by the way, uh, just a side note here. The FDA has uh, provided sufficient evidence not to trust them. And aspartame is just one of those. Because in 1983, when I interviewed this nutritional uh, expert on aspartame, uh, back then they used to give you these boxes full of stuff. You'd get the promotional stuff, right, That I when I was working for the station. And it was filled with the cereals and the drinks and the this and the that and the other, right? And I took it home to my first wife and I, and we, we started consuming it. Didn't think anything of it, right? Well, she, she became uh, 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 very nauseous and so forth. I, I went into severe mood swings. And we, the only thing we could think of was the stuff we were eating. So we both stopped. And in about a week and a half to two weeks, those symptoms went away. I wanted to make sure that that's what it was. So I went back on some of the stuff for about a week. Experienced the mood swings. Haven't touched the stuff since. And I even asked the woman, I said in the interview, so you're telling me that all of the scientific studies have been done and this stuff called equal is perfectly safe, to which, of course, she answered yes. Uh, so that's just a kind of a sidebar in terms of, of that. So the cynic versus the critic in terms of especially training up your children in the ways in which they should go so that when they get old, I know you know this passage, they will not depart from it. Mm -hmm. So... I, it's funny because I just posted something, uh, well, five days ago, I posted something on Facebook and it was a letter to my two sons. And the reason why I, po I, I, I wrote this letter to them, because I feel like as men, um, men are, men today are not getting the credit that they deserve. And I just want my my children who are my sons to understand that their lives are just as important as anybody else's. Mm. And and if you don't mind, this is what I had written to my sons. Um in in what you were saying um about um being cynical versus being critical a critical thinker. So I wrote to my sons Romans 12:12, 12, 12, do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And then I wrote, the world cannot survive without you. Parts of society will generalize you. Remember you are unique and the only one to please is the one above. 
Parts of society will make radical claims to demonize you and lie to women to falsely empower them. Remember, you have different needs than a woman and you are not an animal just because. Remember, the opposite sex cannot be empowered by tearing the other one down. Empowerment comes by uplifting one another and understanding that the desires of each are different. Parts of society will use these tactics to distort the relationship between a man and a woman. They will further use these to abolish the family. This method is used to create division and to keep you at war with the opposite sex, so the nuclear family will no longer exist. This method is also used to gain control of your children for generations to come, for this has already begun. But I am here as a woman and as your mother to give you the proper warning and training you'll need as you cannot do this alone. I have not raised you to treat women like queens. I have not only raised you to treat women like queens, but remember your queen shall treat you like the king you are. And together you shall study the word of God and shall remember and shall remain consistent with your faith. If you do this, you will persevere through it all and see the beauty and all that God has in store for you. Follow Christ, not the trajectories of society and negativity will not consume your days. As men, you will love your family and they will need your strength, your wisdom, and your backbone to lead them on the righteous path. Love mom and mommy. That's beautiful. Give me a quick synopsis of your inner life. My inner life? Your inner life. Um, wow, that is a really deep question. <laughs> um, we, we try here on Tell Me Your Story. You know, well, I, I just gave you um, a, a part of it. I think mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I tend to overthink things. And I think that I used to think that was one of my weaknesses. And now moving forward, I know that that is one of my strengths. Um, because I do have the tendency to overthink things. That's what leads me to research everything. Um, My love for my children um, is solid. It's real. And, um, you know, I often ask myself, like, if I die, like, what would I want to be remembered by? You know? Mm -hmm. And again, again, before, it's like, you know, you think about your successes um, of being of some sort of financial gain. Um, or they tell you that the more money you make, the more people you can help. To me, that's false information. You don't have to make a lot of money to make an impact in this world. Mm-hmm. And if you're a mother and if you're a father, your initial impact starts with your children. And I know that um, when I die and something happens to me, um, they are my greatest accomplishments. Um, they are my seeds. Um, and, you know, I, I might be getting a little bit too um, um, but I, I just, I, I don't know, family, God, and my children, mm-hmm. and hoping that this story that I'm sharing about my son um, and I am not contagious is really going to um, not only help holistic children, um, because this is obviously going to um, create a positive self-perception in, in holistic children, because I think every children needs a story that they can relate to, 
Um, but this is also a story for those who um, are not from holistic homes, because at the end of the day, this story is about unification. And it's just about putting our differences aside for the sake of our children um, so that we can put ourselves in each other's shoes and have compassion for one another. Yeah. I, uh, I have to say that uh, I had uh, what I would consider to be not a great day the other day and in, in, in conversations with people. I'm not sure it was because I was, quote unquote, off my meds or, <laughs> or what the deal was. But I, I made a, a rather disparaging uh, observation uh, here in California. We're going through um, what I consider to be these silly uh, recall elections of uh, public officials. And they say that the cost, they're, they're complaining about the monies that were spent by this particular public official, uh, you know, in the millions of dollars. And the cost for, for example, this particular recall is going to be, and I'm going to put it in this context, a quarter of a billion dollars, $255 million. And yet they're complaining about the, uh, the, the, the wasteful spending of this particular public official. And I'm sitting here going, the guy's got a year and a half left in his term. Let him go through his term and be done with it and then put somebody else in there. Don't waste $255 million of tax dollars that I put in there, you know. And then I, I added to that, I said, and if this guy's name was something else and he was of the other party, you wouldn't be blinking an eye. You'd say, oh, what a great job he's doing. Plus the fact how many other of these same public officials in other states basically did the same thing, but they're not being recalled, you know, and they say they have like 13 or 15 different issues with this particular public official. And I'm just sitting here going, we have got to get beyond this. This is insanity. That's why we try to bring out uh, new ways of living because the old ways don't work. This process, and I'm not saying getting rid of voting. I'm, that's Please, don't, don't misconstrue that. What I'm saying is that we've got some serious issues that we need to address, and we need to find some new ways of addressing them. And the only way, this is what's interesting when what you're bringing up here, especially when it comes to not just vaccines, but nutrition, okay? Uh, when I was a kid growing up in school, they talked about, even back in the 70s, about the dumbing down of the educational system. And do you know what I thought? You talk about, you know, by a renewing of the mind, you know, and let us, let us come together, let us reason together. And, of course, we use the brain to reason, right? Mm-hmm. And I thought, wait a minute. Okay, if the system is being dumbed down, uh, the people that are going to graduate are going to go on, and it's already started, it was already starting, uh, accused of being dumbed down even then, back in the 70s. Thinking, okay, so those people are going to go out and they're going to work for some of these textbook uh, uh, writers and they're going to write the new textbooks uh, from the perspective of the dumbed-down education that they got. And then they're going to put that into the school system, which is still being dumbed down. And then the next generation and the next generation and the next generation until eventually all you'll have essentially will be picture books that really will just be pictures of colors. That's all. You know, we, <laughs> there'll be nothing left because and, and so it's like uh, and it's the same thing with, uh, for example, the economy. When I started thinking about going to work for the first time and, uh, you know, my father worked for a company for 30, I think, 25, 30 years. And back then, of course, um, you know, you stay at a, a company for a long time and hopefully each year or two you get a little bump up. Right. Well, how do they pay for the bump up? They charge a little more for the product or service. Right. All right. So then the next few years, you want another bump up. 
And the same cycle happens. So then the price of your product or service keeps going up. And, of course, the, 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 uh, uh, the, uh, the buying power that you have decreases, so you need another bump up, and it goes on and on and on. That's not sustainable. It, you can't keep that going. It's not possible to, to continue to uh, – I mean, I've been pretty much at the same rate for 15 years now. 15 years now. I'm not wealthy by any means. I don't have any, a bunch of other side things going on. I get some support from our listeners through this program, which is greatly appreciated. Don't get me wrong. But I think it goes back to what you said before, that our, our success, our lineage, if you will, um, is not tied to how much we earn. It's what we do with what we have, what we've been given, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the bottom line. And what you've been given is an opportunity to share this book. I am not contagious about your son and his experience. I mean, I could write my own book, uh, you know, because I grew up legally blind. And, uh, you know, it wasn't until my 36th uh, year that uh, I received a lens implant. Now I'm driving a truck. You know, go figure. Because yeah. uh, at one point I'd given up. I'd said, I you know what? Forget it. Yeah. You know, I think that there's, again, you know, education, we've been lied to about what education really is. Yes. And I've been asked several times, you know, because your son can no longer go to school because he's banned, he's actually banned from attending any private or public school. Like I can't even send him to uh, a Montessori school because of how they file their business. You know, if you file your business with the state, the state controls what you do. If you're not, if you don't file your business under a PMA or if you don't file your school under a PEA, the, the state will continue to own everything and every move that you make. So um, that is another thing that I would encourage people to start looking into. If you don't want um, the state to intervene and the state to regulate you, look at uh, a PMA, which is a private member association, mm-hmm. um, and then look at a PEA, which is a private education um, private education association. So the answer is no, I would not send my kid back to school. Again, I live here in New York and what's happening with our education system today is very, very sad and disgusting. Mm, mm. You know, with the, yeah. the, the sex education yeah. um, and, and critical race theory and everything. And, and that's another topic for another yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there's so many, but, there are so many uh, subjects that we could, we could dive into and we won't obviously have time for it today, but I am grateful uh, to you for the work that you are doing and for the, the process that you have uh, created uh, to, um, to help your children. And it seems to me, it does seem to me, that you have actually been able to transcend that uh, aspect of what I brought up earlier in the program. The difference between what I quoted from the preamble and I was actually rather amazed that I remembered it all, (laughs) and the First Amendment to the Constitution, and the the whole business of individualism, uh, we're either going to survive as a community or we're not. But by the same token, I I also agree with you from the standpoint of, uh, and I'm hearing, uh, I don't know, you probably do follow the news media to some degree, and you hear a lot of the stories coming out about China, you know, for example, and I hear all these criticisms about what China is doing on all kinds of different levels. Mm 
And I do have to tell you that when I hear these criticisms of China, I'm going, God, that sounds an awful lot like America, mm -hmm. you know, and it's like we need to fix our own house. We need to take care of our own house, you know, and and I, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm an idealist. Forgive me. I'm an optimist and I'm an idealist. Right. And I honestly believe um, as an optimist that that we do have a future that is going to be better. Uh, but the only way it's going to be better is if we start to try to work together in some fashion uh, to address some of these issues from a, a logical standpoint. And again, I'll quote that passage from the Old Testament. Let us sit down and reason together. How do you do that? With the God-given brain that we were given. And I thank you for using yours as well as your heart. Because you give a, if, if I may put it this way, you give a damn about your kids. <laughs> yeah. And I thank you for sharing that with us here on the program. Thank you. I, I, I just want to let our listeners know the website, AngelaPearson.com, AngelaPearson.com. We will be uh, linked to your website as well so that people can uh, get in touch with you and get more information uh, from you about not only the book but the work that you're doing. Uh, you've yeah. got an extensive education in a lot of these different areas as well as the education that you've given yourself through this process. Uh, and we thank you for doing that. I do have three final questions that I do want to ask you uh, that I ask all of my guests. You may have addressed them throughout the program sometime during the program, but I like to ask them directly. Before I do that, though, I need to address my listeners and viewers and let you know that we're here Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Monday mornings at 1 a.m. in a special edition of Tell Me Your Story, 9 a.m. Wednesdays here on uh, this fine station. We have podcasts at SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and many other locations. We hope that you will listen. We also hope that you'll go to YouTube, to the Tell Me Your Story channel, and not only watch the videos, but also subscribe. I'm grateful to those who have. I'm up to a whopping 29 subscribers, Angela. I'm so excited that I've got yeah. 20 people, 29 people. And I'm near 39,000 thousand listens on SoundCloud. I'm very excited about that as well. Also a reminder to participate in the Decade of Perfect Vision, the 2020s. Spend that time going within. Listen to that still small voice. That's what it's there for. Follow the promptings. I guarantee you never ever will it put you in harm's way. Might challenge you. It's challenged me to do things that my mind, my ego-centered mind has said, no, 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 I can't do that. But then when I do follow through, it's like, oh, it's much better than it would have been. Okay, I better start trusting more, being more trusting of that still small voice. And also, if you'd like to support this program, we'd greatly appreciate it. That's why we have a PayPal and Patreon account for your security as well. We'll take energetic support as well. On to my final three questions, wrapping things up here with you. And the author, this is the author, of course, of I Am Not Contagious about her son. Uh, first question is, who is Angela Pearson? Ah, I am a daughter of God and a mother of three who, um, and a friend to all <laughs> in, um, in short. What is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you're doing now? Um, I'm really just hoping to achieve, um, unification for the sake of my son um, and just some compassion. Um, I, I think that we're, we're lacking in that department where, um, because we're being fed only one narrative 
that vaccines are safe and effective and that if you're not vaccinated, you're a disease to society. And that's just false. That's not true. And um, so I'm, I'm really hoping that um, we gain some compassion um, and unification. And finally, what is your life's purpose? My life's purpose is to amplify my children's voice and to make sure that I am doing everything in my power to make sure that they succeed in life. Angela Pearson, thank you again for sharing with us and uh, uh, being a part of this program. And, uh, you know, we, you know, as I said before, we put out a table, a smorgasbord of all kinds of different ideas. We just ask people to come to the table and take what resonates, what tastes good to them. I hope that they'll come back after they've tried something and check out something more. Consider the possibilities. That's what it's all about. And um, and listen honestly and genuinely and openly to what is being presented, uh, whether initially you agree or disagree, uh, because you may find some real interesting uh, jewels in the conversation. And again, we thank you for bringing some of those jewels to our program today. Thank you. I'm Richard Dugan, and I thank you for listening and watching Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. May we inoculate you with some good things. I hope that you will take that <laughs> on. <laughs> and until our next live broadcast, podcast, videocast, love, Talal.